back to What Keeps Us Up at Night. I'm Megan Scott. And I'm Alicia Lane, and we have returned with plenty more knowledge. Um, today we are talking about Roe v. Wade and... Uh, and animal domestication. So buckle yourselves in, get comfy. We both are. Um, very comfy. Yeah, get yourself a beverage. A good bevy. A good bevy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we suggest lemonade. Yeah, we just drank lemonade. It's delicious. Um, and curl up and we're gonna get started yeah all right so today i'm starting with my um little bits of knowledge first um so i decided to look into roe v wade just because it's been such a hot button topic recently and i feel like it's very relevant yeah i feel like it's something that's relevant and something that like we all kind of learned in government class but i mean vaguely yeah exactly where it's more like i know that it has like set the precedent for abortion in the u.s um but i don't know like too much like in depth about it like where like where we started like where we're at now you know all of that so so we're gonna be talking about abortion um i know where alicia and i both stand on this yeah and if you feel like you might be a little bit triggered um by our our opinions on this maybe this isn't the podcast for you um or at least not the episode for you yeah so i'll just Just leave with that that. just keep that in mind uh we would love for you to return if you don't necessarily agree (laughs) but they're not all gonna be so controversial (laughs) yeah exactly but sometimes you got to be a little controversial. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially in things like this where it's yeah, like... It's important. It's very important, especially right now. Okay, so what is Roe v. Wade? Roe v. Wade is a landmark case from 1973, and it has set the current precedent for the legality of abortions. According to the 14th Amendment, or the Due Process Amendment, a birthing person is legally allowed to have an abortion so long as the fetus isn't viable or the health of themselves or this child is at stake. Um, viable in this case means that the child would be able to live outside of the womb, which usually happens about 24 to 28 weeks post-conception. So, right. yeah. So that's, that's an amendment? Like, well, or? it's not the actual amendment. The amendment is the due process clause. Gotcha. Um, it's the 14th amendment with the due process clause. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> and we'll get a little bit further into that and what that means and like where we pull that from and all of that, um, okay. as we go through this. But what was the original court case about? So in Texas in 1973, a person was only allowed to have an abortion if the procedure was needed to save the life of a parent. So in 1969, Norma McCorvey found out she was pregnant with her third child and she wanted to get an abortion. But living in Texas, she was not able to do so. So she paired up with a team of two attorneys named Sarah Weddington and Linda Coffey, which fucking bomb ass last name. Can we just talk about that? Linda Coffey. Exactly. And they filed a lawsuit on her behalf against the district attorney for her, like, district, mm-hmm. who was um, Henry Wade. In this lawsuit, they also used the legal pseudonym Jane Roe, and that's where we get uh, Roe v. Wade from. So it's not yeah. McCorvey v. Wade. It's yeah. Roe. Um, that was just to kind of, like, Is it just, like, her. later on she came out with her name? Um, like- I believe so, or it was just kind of found out, but yeah. I think it was just, like, you know, when, like, there's been... Um, victims of a crime or something and they're trying to like keep hide. it like low-key yeah like hide their uh their actual identity but also you know bring their their case to court and yeah. they don't usually do that that makes sense yeah so in a three-judge court 
Um, judges ruled in her favor, but they ruled against two other women that were also being represented by Weddington and Coffee for the same reason. So the two women, Coffee and Weddington, appealed their case to the Supreme Court, and um, Henry Wade, this little piece of shit, um, <laughs> sorry, Go a little off. heated. Um, he also cross appealed his one loss to the Supreme Court. So he technically lost Roe, but he did it. He uh, or no, yeah, he lost Roe, but he won the other two cases. Mm-hmm. So they decided to take all of them to the Supreme Court um, since Henry Wade wanted to technically win Roe. Yeah. So in 1973, at this point, McCorvey has had her baby uh, oh. because she couldn't get an abortion. Um, and the Supreme Court issued a 7-2 to two decision in Roe's favor and it set a new precedent for abortions federally. Um, they stated that due to the 14th Amendment's due process clause, women were guaranteed to the right to privacy that therefore protected their right to a legal abortion. So the 14th Amendment's due process clause guarantees us our right to privacy. Um, and they considered a woman's health care to be her own private matter makes um, sense <laughs> yeah exactly um so however they placed some boundaries on this due to the fact that it was you know pregnancy new life whatever mm-hmm. right and they said that the right was not absolute and needed to be balanced with the government's interest in women's and fetal health and they did so by setting up guidelines based on the trimesters of a pregnancy that each state could follow so i mean this is kind of it's not like how it is anymore but yeah. um in the first trimester, the government could not place a ban on abortions at all. You could get one. That was good. Which is like up to 12 weeks or something Yeah, like I think so. Um, second trimester, governments could require a reasonable health regulation. Um, so, so long as like, like if the, if the baby was like very obviously able to live outside the womb, they'd be like, no. Yeah. You know, which is where we get kind of like the Texas laws and all yeah. that, but. Um, and then third trimester, abortions could be banned entirely, save for those cases that were able to save the life um, or help uh, or health of the mother. Mm-hmm. So it kind of stayed that way for several years up until 1992, until the topic was once again brought up to the Supreme Court level with uh, Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Um, so during that time, Roe v. Wade came under fire again. Uh, initially, a majority of the justices, um, which were all men. Awesome. Um, we're totally for overthrowing Roe v. Wade entirely in 1992. Awesome. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, it was only after the initial conference that Justice Kennedy um, changed his mind on the matter and reaffirmed the need for Roe v. Wade. This ca- uh, court case no longer justified just abortion under the right to privacy, though. It also co- covered privacy more broadly as an individual's right concerning their family life as well as protection from the law and their personal decisions concerning marriage procreation contraception family relationships how one raises their children Mm -hmm. and education so like a majority of things you would consider to be your own personal right your own private matters yeah um so there's this quote that i found within that law thing or the law thing (laughs) um like a the breakdown of the the court case Mm mm-hmm I believe it may have been said by Catherine Colbert, but I'm not entirely certain just because there was like a, a several um, attorneys that were um, representing Planned Parenthood. Yeah. Correct. So, but um, the quote is, the destiny of the woman must be shaped to a large extent on her own conception of her spiritual imperatives and her place in society. I love that. Right? Go I just off. think it's such a good, a good quote. Um, it really sums up to me 
it includes the right to what happens to your body and how you intend to live your life. Yeah. And maybe to you that means a baby and maybe to someone else that doesn't. You yeah. Know? Um, that's so like accurate, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it should be shaped on her, her own imperatives and yeah. how she wants to be in society. Anyway. This case allowed the Supreme Court to change some of the decisions they had made during Roe v. Wade. They felt that fetal viability was now a better way of deciding at what point an abortion should be allowed or not. And also at this point, they found that a fetus was viable at 23 to 24 weeks rather than the 28 weeks they had thought in 1973. Mm -hmm. So they abandoned the trimester guideline I talked about before because of its two biggest flaws. The fact that it undervalued the interest of pregnant women and it also undervalued the state's interest in the potential life. Yeah. Um... Justice Scalia, the one justice that Donald Trump replaced, um, one of like, I don't even know, three, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he stated his disagreement likening abortion to bigamy. He said that the reason that neither should be illegal or neither should be legal was because the Constitution did not permit it and because years of longstanding tradition had permitted it to be legally banned. What's bigamy? Um, It's like marrying two people. Marrying two people? Oh, it's yeah. just one person being married to, like, multiple people? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Gotcha. Um, which I don't think is a good enough reason. Yeah. Um, and this is a quote from him that he stated during this this trial. Precisely why is it that at the magical second when machines currently in use, though not necessarily available to the particular woman, are able to keep an unborn child alive apart from its mother, the creature is suddenly able, under our constitution, to be protected by law, Whereas before that magical second, it was not. That makes no more sense than according infants' legal protection only after the point that they can feed themselves. Hmm. So he basically said, like, if machines can keep a, a baby alive at 24 weeks, we should let it live. Yeah. Um, That's weird. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I won't make a comment on that. I just thought it was important to bring yeah. up. So hmm. there's that. Okay. Um. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> so why is Roe v. Wade under fire now in 2022? Mm-hmm. So there have been several court cases over the years that have made minimal movement from the precedent that Roe v. Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey set. However, the law that passed in Texas in 2021 um, made more movement happen on the abortion front. Mm-hmm. So that requires kind of going through the past year legally. So in September 2021... Uh, Texas law prohibited uh, abortions once embryonic cardiac activity is detected, which is typically around six weeks of pregnancy, often before the mom even realizes she's pregnant. Um, It is allowed to take effect after the Supreme Court first declines to act on a bid by abortion clinics to block it, and it refuses to halt the law. So with that decision, Texas measures become more stringent in the nation and more states are like oh i want to implement that mm-hmm. so that law known as sb8 has enforcement under private citizens and not public officials so that was the whole um well report your your someone if you know they got mm-hmm. an abortion report the doctor if yeah, you know they're, they're doing abortion so you'll get paid a, a, a hearty sum you yeah know? so the justice department filed its own lawsuit challenging the texas law and the supreme court would hear those arguments in that suit um and a second argument from abortion providers Mm -hmm. um in december of 2021 the justices heard oral arguments in dobbs versus jackson women's health organization 
the court was over Mississippi's 15-week ban. During the arguments, a majority of the court appeared likely to hold up Mississippi's law, but it is less clear whether or not its five votes would undo its earlier abortion decisions. In December 2021, again, the Supreme Court issues a decision over Texas's laws um, and limits who abortion clinics can sue to state licensing officials. Um, while the court did say the clinic's suit against executive licensing officials can proceed, it also leaves that Texas law in place. So Texas is allowed to have that law. Yeah. Um, and then we come to May of 2022. And this is where the the issue that everyone's freaking out about right now is is mostly rooted. Mm-hmm. So the um, I think it's a magazine. I don't want to say it wrong, but um, Politico, the, the publication, mm-hmm. publishes a 98-page draft opinion written by Alito in the Mississippi case that would strike down Roe and Casey if it was finalized by a majority of justices. So it was a piece of um, like or like a document that somebody had written about the decisions taking place in the Mississippi case that we talked about earlier in 2021. Yeah. Um, about the 15 week abortion ban. Mm. And it was also talking about the possibility of if that was struck down, would that also strike down or if that was like allowed to stay, would that also strike down Roe and Casey? Mm-hmm. Um, so in this Alita writes that Roe was egregiously wrong from the start and it must be overruled. Um, It also says the Constitution makes no reference to abortion and no such right is implicitly protected by any constitutional provision, including the one in which the defenders of Roe and Casey now chiefly rely. The Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment, uh, that provision has been held to guarantee some rights that are not mentioned in the Constitution, but any such right must be deeply rooted in this nation's history and tradition and implicit in the concept of ordered liberty, the right to abort does not fall within this category hmm, interesting. so for all of the justices that are like oh well it needs to be within the constitution mm-hmm. like there's so many things in the constitution that we like don't uphold to this day or mm-hmm. should not be upheld to this day because it's very outdated yeah. yeah exactly so i just i feel like that's a little weird i agree Anyway, it's like an absolutist or whatever. Yeah, exactly. So the leak of this draft opinion um, sets off a fire. Like a- absolutely everyone is like, what the hell? Protests of supporters from abortion rights, um, protests for people that are like, yes, we're finally getting our way. All of that. And then Roberts, the chief justice, comes out and says that the leak is a betrayal of trust and they are now doing an v- uh, investigation into its release. Mm-hmm. Um, whether or not that actually means that they were going to uh overturn it we still don't know so um but it has the very the very large possibility of being overturned is it not overturned yet i thought that's mm-hmm. what everyone was freaking out about no everyone's freaking out it can um everyone's freaking out about the fact that a document was released that basically said hey if this happens like roe v wade is basically nil like it doesn't mean anything like the precedent has been overturned so it's not it's not technically banned yet yeah but so, haven't a bunch of states already, like, made abortion illegal, basically, or something like that? They haven't made it illegal. They are just working within those terms that were set prior, where yeah. it's, like, if if the life they consider to be viable, keep the baby. That's wild. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, it's all, it's all still technically, like, legal for them to be doing, because they're, like, within the terms. But yeah. it's, like, the fact that they could basically be, like, oh, no abortions for anybody mm-hmm. is kind of intense. Yeah, that's um, so scary. But again, if this was overturned federally, it would still 
go to the states to mm-hmm. decide whether or not this was something they wanted to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I feel pretty blessed that we live in Washington. Yeah, like probably um, the last one that would ever. Exactly. Besides like California or something. Yeah. Like we are pretty well protected in terms of our like healthcare rights as women. Mm-hmm. But it's still very scary for like all of my like friends yeah and, like, like all of my the, sister lives in kentucky you know like all of those people that are like like maybe would not have the same yeah same health care aid afforded to them if this was to be passed mm-hmm. um so yeah so it's terrifying mm-hmm. um and it's kind of it, it kind of grosses me out in a like in a way that it's like at six weeks a lot of women don't even know that they're pregnant yeah or they're just finding out and it's yeah. like it takes time to get a doctor appointment like and yeah and even a lot of times out. it's like in like texas during like roe v wade it was not allowed or like she tried to get a, an abortion by telling people that she had been raped mm-hmm. um so and they they didn't even allow her that it's kind of terrifying to me in like in ways where it's like if you were a victim of sexual abuse mm-hmm. or um, a victim of um, incest or something yeah. like that where where the baby is not, like, the memories of that conception are really not... Traumatizing. Are very traumatizing and you don't want necessarily to have a kid at that point in your yeah. life or... Like, what if you're, like, literally still a kid? Like, I mean, yeah, that happens exactly. all the time. And just, just not even having the choice is what scares me. Mm-hmm. Um regardless of what you you would do you know if you were to find out you're pregnant if you would keep the baby or not if that's not in your morals that's fine Mm -hmm. but i just think it's it's something that is very important to keep around yeah um for like a majority of other reasons but so that is roe v wade you know summarized um I don't know. I think, I guess I, what I would end with is just like, if you feel strongly about something, let it be known. Use your vote where you can. Um, go out, support. Support your city council. Yeah, support your city council. Go to town halls. Say, hey, I don't agree with that. Like, no matter what it sounds like, like, at the smallest level, like, your decisions, your your actions will matter. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's very... <laughs> It's a very serious topic right now, and I'm, like, obviously watching the news, like, heavily mm-hmm. to, like, make sure that it's updated. Updated, But, yeah. yeah. So, that's that's where we leave it. Oh, boy. Hopefully it um, takes a happier turn. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, like, samezies. Maybe, maybe something good will happen one day. <laughs> you know? That's how America feels right now. It's yeah. Like maybe, maybe one something day good will happen good will one happen. day. Like, everything is going down the drain. <laughs> yeah exactly but um yeah too if you have like any more information or anything like you want to send in to us about something or other like yeah exactly i appreciate that say hi oh um i was also gonna say like i would be totally down to do like corrections Um, oh yeah absolutely yeah like we say something wrong (laughs) yeah we're just we're just two dummies doing our best yeah i i just use google you know right same like (laughs) so just just let us know we did start this out by saying we're the google friends exactly (laughs) um yeah so i'll take a little break yeah all right let's do that brb brb (laughs) 
Hello, welcome back. We're back, bitches. To, um, <clears throat> to these two girls talking. Two girls. Two girls. Just on a couch. On a couch. It's a bright red couch. And we're comfy. We've got blankies. Yeah, I'm absolutely sprawled. We're just vibing. <laughs> we are ready. All right. Okay. And Alicia's about to domesticate. The <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> um. So I, I have a dog, and I love her, mm-hmm. and she's the coolest thing ever. I look at her all the time, and I'm like, you're basically a little wolf. She's like a German shepherd. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's like the size of a wolf. She's got big teeth. She acts like a little wolf or like a little wolf pack. So I very often think about animal domestication. It's very interesting. Yeah. And so I kind of went down a rabbit hole of how we domesticate animals and plants and stuff. Uh, and bugs. And plants? <laughs> yeah. We, technically, yeah. The way that we like grow a lot of plants is technically considered domesticated because it's like we modify it you know oh okay i mean the more you know i guess uh the domestication of plants and animals was a result of climate change that occurred after the peak of the last glacial maximum when ice sheets covering north america were at its greatest around twenty one thousand years ago and it continues today Twenty one thousand years ago yeah and we're in what 2021 2022 that was a long time ago that's a long time ago but because of all the ice food was getting hard to find the first animal we ever domesticated was a wolf it makes sense um Mm -hmm. but the timeline is like a very hotly disputed thing like of when we started domesticating wolves because like a lot of people think it was like ten thousand years ago and then other people think it's like forty thousand years ago so that's like a really big yeah that's a huge gap (laughs) and i i mean personally i think it was like I mean, the oldest, like, bones that we found is, like, 32,000 years ago, but people will debate if it was, like, really a dog or if it was just, like, something that looked like a dog. I don't know. It's very hotly debated. Hmm. It was hotly believed that wolves were also domesticated in multiple places, and they've all kind of bred together so much that their gene pools have kind of muddied a bit, and that makes it way harder to know where they came from. Um, we also don't even know what the wolf that all of dogs descend from was. Like, it's no longer alive. So oh. it's like trying to find like a needle in a haystack kind yeah. of because there's like a lot of wolves that exist. Yeah. I mean, I guess I never really thought about that because like how do we get like boxers and pugs and things? Yeah, and- I get into that a little bit. Um, It's really interesting the way that we treat dogs versus like cats because I mean, yeah. if you think about it, like dogs vary so much in sizes, but cats like all mostly have the same body type. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the oldest fossils that we have today is the one I was talking about from 32,000 years ago, and that was in Belgium. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people um, don't necessarily think that it was like a, the same species, and it's hard to like date bones sometimes. I don't know. It's just hotly debated. Yeah, especially since it's like, I don't know, like a, a animal that's looks similar to other animals yeah i don't yeah, know like it's just confusing yeah exactly. it's like the, i was just looking at so many different web pages that was just hotly debating like the people were intense like they were such strong beliefs <laughs> about this um well i guess let's talk about what exactly domestication is it's a process of selectively breeding a species of animal with traits that are favorable such as being calm around humans not being aggressive easily trained as well as physical traits like coloring and uh obviously people end up breeding dogs for like short noses and weird stuff like that yeah exactly and, um so and we do that to plants too um i mean if you think about it like the ancestor of wheat is like a completely different thing than what we grow today you know 
Yeah. Because um, the, like the ancestor of wheat, I mean, it was like, it was kind of like wheat that you see just growing out in grass. Like it had like the little wheat bits oh. and it would just kind of like fly off because that's what it wants to do is fly off. But that makes it harder for us to gather. Mm-hmm. So we started selectively breeding for wheat that like stays on it and it's way thicker and it grows bigger wheat things so it looks like two completely different plants but that's like where it came from we just kept breeding it over and over until it had like all the traits that we liked basically does that mean i could go to the grass and pick out a little grass bit with its little things on it and eat it i'm i think so i think that i'm pretty sure that's like at least like a cousin of wheat or something like that are you promising me this (sighs) what if i made a cake out of it or it's like some bread you don't have to grab a bunch but you might be able to make a cake out of it you make a flower out of all kinds of stuff bit <laughs> see all the wally's all gluten-free now so we're just trying all sorts of weird flowers and stuff you can make flour out of all kinds of stuff mm. yep that's uh, gonna lead down a rabbit hole. <laughs> <laughs> um one of wally's questions was why why don't we domesticate bugs <laughs> and oh. uh but the answer is is that we do honeybees and silkworms are considered domesticated with the way that oh. we have like bee farms and um silkworms and also to an extent edible snails like people grow them like oh my god to eat and i didn't even think about that yeah they're technically like kind of domesticated that's oh interesting god, that's gross i know <laughs> i mean i don't know because like when you think what is it what are snails it's not caviar it's i have no uh, caviar is like fish eggs yeah i don't know what snails are like what their like genus or whatever is like what either. species Okay, well, fancy snails. I didn't even think about the fact that there's somebody out there whose entire job is to raise fancy snails. They grow snail fancy food. snails, and those snails are getting eaten. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> Domestication requires very selective breeding over, like, a really long period of time. So, uh, people ask, how long does it take to domesticate a species? And that's a pretty hard question to answer, because dogs and cats are very good examples of how different domestication can be because we've been domesticating dogs for like up to like forty thousand years i i think it's been a long time that humans have like been with dogs i feel like it just kind of makes sense yeah especially because we've like i don't know i is domesticated the right word like to do certain tasks like help us with hunting and yeah that's um yeah it's it's basically that process over time and um with that idea of selectively breeding yeah for like the good ones uh that are favorable to us essentially mm-hmm. yeah um because there is a difference between like taming and uh domesticating taming is like when you get one individual animal and you just are making behavioral changes to it but domestication um it happens over such a long period of time that it actually changes like the genetics of the animal um so it's like its own like genus basically gotcha. eventually um Hmm. And cats, the oldest records that we have of cats being domesticated is like 10,000 years old. And um, they also were domesticated with us for very different reasons. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't know if you have this in your research, but like Egyptians and cats? Yeah, they were like, obs- they like worshipped cats. Like they yeah. thought they were like gods and stuff. Like, I mean, I think Binks is a god, but. I know. I feel that. I love my cats. They're so wonderful. Uh, to domesticate animals, you have to, they have to have some kind of, like, symbiosis with humans. Um, like, with dogs, uh, we help keep them alive. And, uh, then they do, like, services for us and all that. And Mm -hmm. cats are pest control. And, um. Oh, yeah. That's how domesticated started with cats, is either 
companionship or pest control. That's pretty much the only reason that cats yeah, really stick around I with us. Why Binks is pretty pretty crap at pest control. <laughs> Girl tried to eat a spider for like fifteen minutes oh the other day. Oh my god, I love her. Einstein's a little devil boy. He will murder bugs. Like he will like be insane. If, if he wants like to come fly. over and like, clear the house, <laughs> like that's fine by me. Because Binks is doing a shit job. I bet he would. He would. <laughs> You'd probably hide under your couch. <laughs> um. Okay. I got. Vigorous <laughs> page <laughs> Oh my god. Um. Okay. So I was very curious as to like why dogs look so varied in body sizes and cats don't. The difference between relationships with humans and dogs and humans and cats is, like, very different. So, the relationship between a dog and humans are that it's always, like, performing a service for us, usually. And, um, the services vary a lot. Like, uh, some dogs are hunting dogs and some dogs are herding dogs. And then, within all those categories, there's even sub-differences of, like, dogs that dig underground and hunt gophers are way different than dogs that, like, hunt for raccoons and trees and stuff. Mm -hmm. And so people just basically started to breed for each, like, subset of a group that they wanted. And this happened on such, like, a... It was, like, it happened everywhere. And, like, everyone was just doing their own little thing, basically. And uh, so they were just making all these breeds of dogs that just fit their needs. Yeah. Um. So I guess another question I would have is, like, if we're if all dogs are, like, somehow, like, descended from a wolf, how do you get, like, a chihuahua? I've got that, too, because I that, like... It was very interesting. Yeah, because, like, how do you get, like, different breeds of wolf to a breed of a dog? Um, well, all domestic dog breeds are somehow descended from a wolf. Um, when you look at a tiny wolf or a tiny dog and you're just like, oh, my God, how is that related to a wolf? And I found this one research study that um, Matt, like, was able to find a particular gene called the IGF1 gene. Mm-hmm. in small body sizes in dogs and all small dogs have some variant of this gene and then they tested like um like a lot of different wolves basically from all over the world mm-hmm. to see if any had this gene and they couldn't find any and so they think that um this suggests that the small body size um arose after dogs were domesticated oh and it was just like some random little uh, dog that basically started intermixing with um, the domesticated wolves and it had that gene <laughs> and it uh, spread like wildfire I guess oh my god I like to imagine it it's yeah. like it's like that small dog energy yeah <laughs> just taken over somehow um, so yeah the un- unknown ancestor was likely a part of dog domestication really early in the history of dogs mm-hmm um and cats the reason that cats i think cats can be bred to be like really big or really small if we wanted but because the only two relationships that we have with cats are companionship and uh pest control they do their job just fine in that body size you know like humans have never had a want but they've had a want to change their colors so that's why cats have so many color variants because that's basically what people are breeding for gotcha um but there is i guess like one example of uh breeding for different body shapes in cats and that's with persian cats how people will breed their face to be like smushed in yeah i was gonna ask about that yeah. or like um ragdolls yeah that are like super like i, I don't know much i didn't floppy. look into dolls. yeah they're so interesting it's like you pick them up and like they just go limp yeah i always think einstein's part ragdoll because he'll do that you pick yeah. him up and he just goes like limp he's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um 
But yeah, so people will breed the cats with the smushed-in faces, but this will just inherently dispose them to breathing problems and polycystic kidney disease for some reason. Like, oh. that's, um, I feel like this is where the conversation of how selective breeding has a lot of downfalls, obviously, comes in. Yeah. Um, because I feel like humans they will like breed for one thing, while there will be an effect that directly is negative to the animal, but we kind of like look past it because we're like, but it's so cute and it's doing what I want and like, uh. but like it's like like you wouldn't really like relate the smushed in face to like kidney disease, but like I feel yeah. like there's just so many underlying factors to changing the genetics of a cat through selective breeding mm-hmm. or any animal um that gives you like negative traits that you aren't even really thinking for like you don't even think that they'll happen but then mm-hmm. they do and i was looking into this with dogs too um because obviously like toy and mini breeds are prone to dislocating kneecaps heart problems and they literally like can't stay warm <laughs> like on their own and overly large dogs like Great Danes and stuff are prone to orthopedic issues like hip dysplasia. They get malignant bone tumors from the weight that they have to carry because their bones weren't oh. ma- meant to carry that much weight. Um, and an ability to cool down, the opposite of tiny dogs. So they're constantly panting and overheating. And if they live somewhere hot, then it's like awful. Yeah. yeah. Um, and an extreme but like actually common example is bulldogs. Um, they're bred to have a bigger head. Like people breed them to have bigger heads because that's like a desirable trait for them, I guess. And um, this has literally led to the f- like bulldogs can't give birth normally. Like almost all bulldog breeders have to have their dogs give birth via cesarean section. Like their heads oh. are literally too big to like be birthed out of their hip canal like their vaginal canal is too like narrow yeah and i think that's just like so not okay like i like hearing that made me like mad i'm like that's like a freak of nature like that should not exist Uh, yeah i I mean i guess at that point though you get down to like the like what dog is technically like the most or not sustainable what's the word yeah like uh i mean it can't exist on its own you know like yeah it's just not a natural thing it like i mean it depends on humans to give birth like that's just yeah so crazy to me oh my god yeah no that that's really (laughs) that's messed up yeah that's a big reason why i would go to a breeder yeah oh god yeah or like look for a specific like kind of dog yeah i feel that yeah i got nova off craigslist yeah (laughs) little chicken coop coop baby she's like insane but that's fine love her oh yeah so um yeah and then there's the issue with purebreds um Purebreds are basically the product of constant inbreeding, and uh, the genes responsible for many genetic diseases are recessive, meaning that the mother and father both need it to pass the disease on to their offspring. And individuals can carry like a copy of the disease gene and not have the condition, but they're carriers of it. And normally, disease genes are relatively rare and pose a smaller issue with natural breeding. But purebred owners are breeding from a really small gene pool, and it's basically stacking your deck with 10 extra aces, and your chances of hitting a blackjack increases, which in this scenario is successfully breeding the breed again, but it's at the expense of the offspring having severe allergies and a predisposition of cancer and immune failure and blood disorders and neurological behavior or sensory problems. And man, I just don't vibe with that. (laughs) 
yeah it's almost like i mean i don't want to say it's forced like incest yeah it it kind of is and because it's like i mean that dog is most likely breeding with its like cousin or something yeah i mean genuinely like you can't like there's not that big of a gene pool and like these breeders this is like their bread and butter it's like what they do all day and they like have to like try and find other people with dogs that they've like never like had their dogs mate with before to like try and like get something that isn't like their sibling basically i don't know yeah that's gross (laughs) yeah um, and then I was curious uh, about what animals we have domesticated because I was like, what is considered like all the animals that we have domesticated? Mm-hmm. And there are three categories of domesticated animals. There's pets, livestock, and beasts of burden. Beasts of burden? <laughs> That's what they call them, yeah. Oh my god, dude. I think that we should just completely throw out this <laughs> podcast and we should start a band called Beasts of Burden. That's all we need to do. Exactly. We don't need this anymore. I love that. Oh my god. Or we can just call this Beasts of Burden and like leave it really cryptically. <laughs> it's like you don't know what this podcast is about. <laughs> it's just like the same format. <laughs> Um, animals we consider domesticated are dogs, goats, pigs, sheep, cattle, cats, chickens, guinea pigs, donkeys, ducks, water buffalo, camels, western honeybees, horses, silk moths, pigeons, geese, yaks, llamas, alpacas, it's a long list, mice, rats, minks, silver foxes, hedgehogs, and all kinds of birds that I didn't want to write all the names for. Fair enough, fair (laughs) enough. And then there's a category of animals that are semi-domesticated, which is, like, kind of in the process of domestication. But, I mean, you have to, like, remember that, like, domestication literally takes, like, a thousand years. So I feel like, like, we're never going to see progress on domestication in our lifetime. Like, Russia has been for the past like 60 years there's like a group in russia that has been trying to like domesticate these foxes and it's like their sole mission and they like just selectively breed these foxes constantly and after 60 years they're like not much different than their wild cousins like they're like they say that there's like a little progress made but like i mean they're really not much different and so yeah i mean hey (laughs) what (laughs) okay so wait are, are you going to list the domestication yeah. and the process animals? Uh, the, the semi-domesticated ones. Yeah. They're the Asian elephant, reindeer, the Arabian ostrich, oryx, cheetahs, e- Egyptian goose, goose. E- eastern honeybees, and there was like a lot more, but... Um, yeah. Are ducks on that list somewhere? There are ducks. Uh, ducks, like, I think your stereotypical duck that we see all the time, it was just called a domesticated duck. That's part oh. of the domesticated group. Oh, but I'm then there's, and the, there was, like, f- 10 different, like, types of duck, like a, like a Murdoch duck or something like that that's semi-domesticated. Gotcha. I think it's just, like, the little green ones we see that are yeah. technically domesticated. I guess I just was wondering because of all of those, like, TikTok people that have random ducks mm-hmm. for some reason. I was yeah, like, people just have ducks, like, kind of like chickens. Yeah. But yeah cute my mom said she had a duck when she was a kid and he was like really mean oh yeah oh <laughs> you see ducks teeth they're literally terrifying yeah they're like sharp i'm not gonna get bit by a duck <clears throat> me neither um yeah i think that's most of what i have for animal domestication i just went down such a fat rabbit hole yeah and there's also just a lot i guess i just love topics that i don't get answers to because like domestication i mean it's like just such a hotly debated topic and there's so much that we still don't know because it's like we just have small amounts of fossils that we found and i guess also testing for dna in a fossil is like really Mm -hmm. hard and there's only certain spots that really retain dna for so long which yeah exactly here behind your ear that's like one that contains the most amount of dna when you die i guess (gasps) like in dogs too oh my god so that's like the gold spot if they find one of those they're like (laughs) yeah 
I mean, I guess if I ever get murdered, just make sure that my ear bone is intact. <laughs> I will. Thank you. It'll be safe. Thank you. I hope I don't know of your murder. Oh. Well, like, I hope I'm not involved. Oh. <laughs> I don't know where your school is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess I would hope that, too. I don't want you to, you know... <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I don't want you to be murdered. Megan. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. So yeah, that's animal domestication, man. Yeah. So I think that wraps up our uh, pot pot pop 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 pop. Our um, little potty pod. Yeah, our little potty pod. So thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. We really appreciate it. Hope you um, enjoyed our randomness. Yeah, I forgot to do this last time, and it feels like very necessary can you guys subscribe yeah. and rate and review um, we have an instagram just yeah called what keeps us up at night pod no spaces or anything yeah so if you want to check us out over there and then also always welcome to shoot us an email at waquan yeah. waquan it's just the initials <laughs> of our it's what is it called w-k-u-u-a-n yeah at gmail.com yep we'll we will answer we love talking obviously yeah. um yeah quite obviously <laughs> I, love, I love the sound of my own voice oh god <laughs> i listened to the first like five minutes of our podcast and i just like cringed I was oh, like, oh god i was like i forgot it was a podcast that we had done <laughs> for some reason yeah and i just listened to it for like 30 minutes oh, I love that. and i was like oh that's oh, us. never mind. This is us. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, anyway, God. we'll see you guys next Thursday. Thanks for sticking around. Yep, we'll catch you there. Adios. Bye. Bye.